This is the Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, the Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Welcome, weekend warriors of Michigan politics and government. Item number one, more polls out this week, but they're on the U.S. Senate race and president in Michigan. One of them had U.S. Senator Gary Peters, a Democrat, up 14 points over his likely Republican opponent, John James, 49% to 35% had Joe Biden up 52 to 42% over President Trump. Now, two other polls came out this week on the U.S. Senate race, one by MRG, showing the gap between Peters and James is only 7%. Another one by an out-of-state outfit had Peters up only 4%. But look, folks, these races are not going to be determined until November 3rd, the general election. What about polls on the election that's going to be held on Tuesday, August 4th? We just don't see much in the way of polls, and that's what really people should be paying attention to right now. Item number two, absentee ballots. Wow, this is a big story this year. This year, 1.9 million absentee ballots were mailed out by local clerks and the Secretary of State to prospective voters, and 903,717 had been returned as of earlier this week, a week out from the August 4th primary. Now, compare that to four years ago, 2016, only 540,000 Absentee ballots were actually requested four years ago, and that's the key thing. You had to request one four years ago. Now, because of coronavirus and because of other game-changing developments over the last couple of years, mainly the passage of Proposal 3 in 2018, the Secretary of State and clerks are just mailing these out regardless of whether you ask for it or not. And so four years ago, only 307,000 had been returned. That's only a third of how many have been returned this year. But as of earlier this week, with a week to go, there were over a million outstanding absentee ballots that had been mailed to voters that had not been returned. And the question is, how many of those will be returned? Probably not that many because there really isn't much that's exciting, particularly for Democrats at the top of the ticket to get uh, voters out. So we're probably going to see a whole bunch of those absentee ballots that were mailed out by the Secretary of State and clerks that are not going to be returned. Item number three, will Governor Whitmer sign bipartisan legislation approved last week to prohibit the state from importing COVID-19 into the state's nursing homes. Will Governor Whitmer release the data showing deaths by facility and date, as well as the dates when patients who've tested positive for COVID-19 were moved into nursing homes and assisted living facilities? 
Remember, the governor vetoed legislation two weeks ago that had been approved almost unanimously by the House and Senate, yet the legislature failed to override these vetoes. What will happen this time? Now, folks, the moment has arrived. We are going to make our fearless forecast. That's right. Just as we did last year, I'll predict winners in key races in the August 4th primary election all around the state. These predictions will focus on Democratic and Republican contests for the State House of Representatives and Congress and some important local offices in the state's three biggest counties in southeast Michigan. No, we won't make predictions in all 14 U.S. House of Representative districts or in all 110 state House of Representatives districts. Most of those, I hate to say it, are not worth speculating about because one major party or the other is so dominant that the November general election result is a foreordained result with incumbents in those districts being almost impossible to defeat, although it can happen. On August 4th, though, there are a number of contests within parties in the primary to determine a party's nominee. Almost all of those are in open seats where someone is not running again, like the 10th Congressional District in Macomb County in the Thumb, or where incumbents are term-limited and cannot run again, and so their seats are up for grabs. Those are the races we'll focus on, and as far as I know, the Political Insider, this program is the only place you're going to hear those predictions. Last year, we did pretty well at picking winners, and by the time uh, we are going to make these announcements, these in picks in a few minutes, um, we are pointing out that these are not endorsements or estimates of who is the best candidate in each race in each district. It's simply a prognostication of who is likely to win. So tune in, uh, Keep your set on. We're going to get started. We'll probably be cut off, and we'll have to pick it up in the next segment. So, 3rd Congressional District, Republican nominee, Peter Meyer. This is West Michigan. 8th Congressional District, Republican primary, four candidates. We're picking Paul Young. 10th Congressional District. This is Northern Macomb County in the thumb. We're picking in the Republican primary, Shane Hernandez. In the 11th Republican primary, this is Western Oakland County and Western Wayne County. Republican primary, we're picking Eric Ashaki. 13th Congressional District. This is a Democratic primary, the only Democratic primary for Congress that's worth noting. Incumbent. Rashida Tlaib will win over her challenger, Brenda Jones, in the Democratic primary in the 13th. Now, on to the state house. We have got, in the second house district, Joe Tate, the incumbent. He's going to withstand a challenge. Third congressional district, open seat, Sri Tanadar in the Democratic primary. Remember, he was a candidate for governor two years ago. Fourth 
House District Democrat, Abraham Ayash, in an open seat race. Many candidates were picking Democratic primary. Fifth House District Democratic, incumbent Cynthia Johnson will withstand a challenge. Seventh State House District Democrat, we're picking, this is an open seat again, Helena Scott. Eighth State House District Democratic primary, another open seat. We're picking Stephanie Young. Ninth State House District. Here is an embattled incumbent in the Democratic primary, Karen Whitsett, whom certain elements of the Democratic Party want to disown, but we're picking her to withstand a challenge and be renominated. Tenth District. Democratic primary, open seat, Mary Cavanaugh, 13th district. Democratic primary, open seat, Tulio Liberati, the brother of the incumbent, who is term limited. 19th state house district. Republican primary, this is somewhat of an upset. We're picking Penny Kreider to win the Republican nomination. 21st District, Democratic primary, Ranjeef Puri, Democratic primary in an open seat race. I'm going to be back in a minute with the rest of the list. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We are back and we're going to continue with our list of predictions on who is going to win key primary races next Tuesday, August 4th. This is the only place in Michigan, I think, in the news media you're going to hear this. Predictions, not endorsements. Not who we think is the best candidate to win these races, but who will win. That's the basis on which this list has been compiled. So we left off with the 21st State House District in Southeast Michigan. We're going to go to the 22nd House District, Democratic primary. This is another open seat. We are picking Richard Steenland. That's S-T-E-E-N-L-A-N-D to win the Democratic primary. 27th State House District Democratic primary. We are picking Kevin Kresh, K R E S C H, to win that primary in an open seat race. 37th State House District Democratic primary, another open seat. We are picking Samantha Steckloff to win the Democratic primary. 38th State House District. This is another open seat. And this is interesting because we actually have contested races closely divided on both sides of the aisle or ticket, as the case may be, Republican and Democrat. This is a tough one to call, but we're picking in the Republican primary Chase Turner, and in the Democratic primary we're picking Kelly Breen. That's the 38th district. This is around the Novi area in southern Oakland County. 41st District, Republican primary, 
This is in Troy. There is an incumbent Democrat who's going to be on the ballot in November, Padma Cooper, but she's going to have a Republican opponent. And we predict that opponent will be Evan Agnello. He'll win the Republican primary, we are predicting. 45th District State House, another open seat. This is the Democratic tilted district. We are picking Brendan Johnson to win this primary in the 45th. 47th District Republican primary. This is Livingston County. It's an open seat. Very tight race, but we're picking Robert Bazot, B-E-Z-O-T-T-E, to win the primary. 55th State House District. This is the Democratic seat, and we are picking, it's an open seat race, Democratic primary, Felicia Brabeck. 56th State House District. This is another open seat, and it's a Republican tilted seat. We are picking T.C. Clements to win the Republican nomination. 58th, we are picking in the Republican primary, Andrew Fink in another open seat race. 59th, State House District, Republican. We are picking Alan Balog to win the Republican primary. 60th District, this is Kalamazoo, and this is a tight race, and this is a bit of an upset. We're going out on a limb. Democratic primary, we're picking Stephanie Moore, 61st State House District. Republican primary, we're picking Bronwyn Haltom. She will be running against the Democratic nominee in an open seat race in November. 62nd State House District, Republican primary. We're picking Dave Morgan for the right to take on the incumbent representative Democrat Hadzma, who we had on as a guest a couple of weeks ago. 71st State House District. We are picking in the Republican primary Gina Johnson. Uh, this is somewhat of an upset. She's running against the Republican nominee of two years ago, Christine Barnes. And if Gina Johnson wins, she'll take on incumbent Democrat Angela Whitwer in November. 73rd State House District, Republican primary, Brian Posthumus. That name may sound familiar. This is an open seat race, Brian Posthumus to win it. 79th State House District, Republican primary, Pauline Wenzel, the incumbent state rep in Berrien County, is getting a challenge, but we predict she is going to withstand it pretty easily. 83rd State House District, Republican primary. We are picking Andrew Beeler. And the 90th District over on Lake Michigan, West Michigan, Republican incumbent Bradley Slaw. He's got a challenge, but we think he will withstand it. He'll be renominated. 95th District, Democratic primary. We're picking Clint Bryant. This is Saginaw. 100th State House District, Republican. We are picking Scott Van Single, who is the incumbent Republican, getting a challenge, but we think he's going to withstand it and be renominated. 104th State House District, Republican primary, Heather Cerrone. This is an upset up in Traverse City, not who most people are picking in the Republican primary in an open seat 
to succeed the embattled Larry Inman, and whoever gets the Republican nomination will be running against the Democrat who came very close to beating Inman two years ago. 105th State House District Republican primary, Tony Cutler. This is an open seat race to succeed the term limited House Majority Floor Leader Tristan Cole in northwestern lower Michigan, and 107th State House District to succeed the term limited Speaker of the House, Lee Chatfield. There's a Republican primary, and we are picking John DeMoose to win the Republican nomination. Now, let's go to southeast Michigan. Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy, incumbent Democrat, is getting a challenge, but we think she'll be renominated. Macomb County prosecutor. This is an open seat. We're picking to win the Democratic primary. Mary Chanowski, a former judge, to win the Democratic nomination. And Peter Lucido, a state senator, Republican, to win the Republican primary. Macomb County clerk. The incumbent is a Democrat, Fred Miller. But there is a battle for the Republican nomination to oppose Fred Miller in November, and we're picking Anthony Forlini to win the Republican primary. He's a former state representative. Oakland County Executive, this is a big one. This is where Dave Coulter, appointed to the job by the Oakland County Board of Commissioners, is running for his first nomination for a full four-year term and hopefully would be running in November to be elected. He's opposed by Andy Meisner, the county treasurer, and we picked Andy Meisner to beat Dave Colder in the Oakland County Executive Democratic primary. One last race, Oakland County prosecutor. Everybody thinks incumbent prosecutor Jessica Cooper is dead meat. She's got a serious challenge endorsed by almost everybody. The Democratic poobahs, the newspapers. But I predict Jessica Cooper is going to hang on and be renominated. I could be wrong. Going out on a limb, we took some risks with some of these picks. So those are my fearless forecasts. We're going to be back in a minute with a very important guest who's got probably a better insight into all these races than just about anybody in Michigan, Adrian Heeman. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We have returned, and we are very fortunate to have with us uh, Adrian Heeman, who is CEO and chairman of Grassroots Midwest, which is a bipartisan political consulting firm. I would say the top such firm in Michigan, for sure. Adrian Heeman, thanks for being our guest. I appreciate you having me, and thanks for the kind words, Bill. I just want to say uh, I think we've got an important election coming up next Tuesday, and maybe you do too. I think more people seem to be interested in what's going to happen in November, and they're not paying that much attention, and they're no major statewide races on Tuesday, August 4th, but it's still important. What are you looking for next Tuesday, and what are the races in particular you think are most fascinating to watch? Sure. Well, um, there are obviously a 
ton of state legislative primaries um, on Tuesday next week. All 110 of the House um, are up every two years. Um, you know, before we even get to those, though, obviously, you know, the wealthiest county in our state, Oakland County, has some pretty hot primaries going on, particularly on the Democratic side, for countywide office. You look at that, um, you know, you've got a knockdown, drag out, um, Andy Miser and Dave Coulter um, for the Democratic nomination uh, for county executive. Um, and then you've also got a sort of insurgent primary um, by Karen McDonald against uh, Jessica Cooper, the uh, incumbent Democratic prosecutor. Right. Um, so I'm watching those two really closely. Those are um, those those are going to be very interesting to watch on. Uh, I would say election night. But I think it's a couple days before we know results in some of these races. Yeah, you know, I I've never seen an incumbent who hasn't really done anything wrong in the sense of scandal or controversy that's reached headlines. Uh, Jessica Cooper has just been broadsided by everybody in the Democratic primary. All the other major political figures have endorsed McDonald against her. It looks like uh, Jessica Cooper is dead meat. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think she's going to struggle. Um, you know, McDonald seems to be doing everything right, everything that you know, want to see as her consultant or her campaign manager um, for a sort of insurgent candidacy. And I think that, you know, I mean, obviously Jessica Cooper has um, clearly burned some bridges from the elected officials in Oakland County because so many of them are endorsing her, her opponent, who's not a current office holder. Um, but also, um, you know, I think it's really interesting that, um, you know, a lot of this is even before the George Floyd uh, the George Floyd thing happened on camera for everybody to see, a lot of the major issues in this race were about sort of corrections reform and policing and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, Karen McDonald was doing very well before that, but her candidacy was just sort of made the moment um, amongst Democratic primary voters, and I think that's part of why she's enjoying the success that she is. Um, I, I would wager a large amount of money on it, but I expect her to prevail on today. What about Macomb County? I mean, there are a couple of races over there. There's an open seat race in, for prosecuting attorney. There's a Republican primary for clerk. And remember, two years ago, uh, I, I excuse me, four years ago, uh, in a big shocker, a Republican actually won the clerkship. Uh, now a Democrat has been appointed to it, Fred Miller, and he's trying to hold on. But whoever the Republican nominee is has a real shot in November. I think that's absolutely right. And it's, um, you know, people, uh, people the last four years have gotten rich uh, making predictions uh, about Macomb County, even when they're wrong about them. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, it definitely seems to be one of those areas of our country where um, everybody's got a really hot face. Most of them are very, very wrong. Um, I expect Democrats to do pretty well in Macomb County. Obviously, the county's trending the wrong way overall for Democrats, um, certainly over the last few years. And, and with you know, the president, um, you know, performing real well in Macomb County in 2016. But I, I expect Democrats to do a little better than people expect. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, Fred Miller is obviously, you know, he's appointed to the CMA, the voters for it yet. So I think that he might be a little bit vulnerable. But otherwise, I expect that Democratic elected officials will kind of hold serve in November. What about prosecuting attorney? Who's going to win the Democratic primary and the Republican primary? You know, I think Lucido comes through that Republican primary. Um, you know, I mean, uh, Peter has shown a, uh, an ability to self-fund in the past. Um, obviously, he'd prefer not to do that, and he does seem to be raising money pretty aggressively, as aggressively as he can under the current conditions. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I always feel like a self-funder has got a pretty big advantage. He's he not just said that before. I mean, he demonstrated that in his first run for state representative. He spent a boatload of his own money. So I, I expect that uh, Senator Lucido comes through that Republican primary. The Democratic primary, frankly, is a lot harder to call, um, in my opinion. Um, I think that there are 
um, it, you know, there, there are more candidates. And also I think that there's, um, I, I've not seen much in the way of polling in that race. So I, I'd hesitate to make much of a prediction there in terms of who's the favorite. What about uh, the congressional races? I mean, the third uh, district over in West Michigan, Republican primary, the 10th Republican primary in northern Macomb and the Thumb, and the 13th, which is a Democratic primary between Rashida Tlaib, the Democratic incumbent, and she's got a very uh, dangerous challenger, uh, Brenda Jones. Um, What do you see happening in those three races? You know, those are all real interesting for very different reasons. Obviously, you've got a sitting representative being challenged in the third. Um, you know, uh, she's only been in office for the one term, obviously. Um, and, you know, if you recall, in 2018, uh, Congresswoman Tlaib um, lost pretty bad ballots in both special um, election and the regular election to replace Congressman Conyers. And we, we all remember, um, you know, um, Councilwoman Jones serving a very, very, very short term in the Congress um, and, and, you know, because she won the special and not the general. But Representative Tlaib lost um, absentee ballots pretty badly. Um, that doesn't work this year. Um, you know, she, she won big with Election Day voters, but how many of those voters um, in that district are actually going to be Election Day voters this year? So I think the big determinant in what happens there is, um, has Congresswoman Tlaib fixed the absentee voter portion of her campaign? If she has, then I expect she'll prevail. If she hasn't, then she's really going to struggle. Um, you know, in the uh, the 10th district, you know, I've seen some public polling recently that indicates that that, um, you know, the current House Appropriations Chairman in the Michigan House, Shane Hernandez, seems to have a pretty sizable lead. Now, it was automated polling, so I don't put too much stock in that. But I um, I do feel like he's performing pretty well. Um, you know, Lisa McLean's also uh, seems to be the other one that's um, in contention there. So I expect one of those two um, to come out of that. But um, I think the smart money is on Hernandez at this point. Um, and then, you know, over in the third, you know, I, I, I think that um, Peter Meyer, um, between, you know, the family money and the family brand, right, the last name, I think you can expect him to come out of that primary. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Representative Affendoulis, uh, Lynn Affendoulis, is, um, she's also got a good family name there. Um, you know, her, her cousin Chris is um, a, a state, uh, you know, a, a, a state rep, was a state representative, you know, um, ran for Senate, et cetera. Um, but I, I still think the Meyer name's good in the third district. What about the state house races around the state? There's so many of them, as you say. Are there any in particular you're really interested in? Sure. Um, so, you know, there are, there are some hot ones out there. You look at the Republican primary in the 83rd district up in the thumb, um, and that one is um, you've got a really hot race up there with um, multiple viable candidates. Greg Alexander is the drain commissioner in San Alac County. Um, he posted a really impressive um, campaign finance report, um, uh, a little over $59,000 um, that he um, filed in his pre-primary report um, and had already spent 42000 of it, so a real robust campaign. Joe O'Mara is a self-funder there. He's put $49,000 of his own money into the campaign. Um, Andrew Beeler is a military veteran with a super impressive background, has raised about twenty nine grand. Um, and then you've got Tim Keller, who's a real conservative Tea Party type, uh, also a you know longtime government teacher um, in the area up there, who raised like twenty seven grand. So you've got a really, really hot one um, in the 83rd district. Um, same thing goes for the 107th, um, Speaker Lee Chatfield's district. Um, he's obviously term limited out of office office right now. You get a real crowded primary up there with um, multiple candidates um, that are campaigning really hard, that have posted good fundraising numbers.
numbers. Um, John DeMoss as the uh, the biggest fundraising total there, um, and you know got that all important right to life endorsement, um, which is huge in these Republican primaries. So um, you know I expect he probably comes through, but you know Kathy Twardy, who uh, primaried Speaker Chatfield a few years ago, is in the race um, and is campaigning really hard, especially um, in the portion of that district that's above the bridge because the district split by the Mackinac Bridge. Um, and you also look at you know Sue Fisher, Terry Lamb. Um, these candidates have both also raised over $25,000, so super competitive um, financially there. Looking at the uh, the Dem primaries, I mean, I think um, things are real interesting in southeast Michigan for a variety of reasons. Um, in the second district, you've got a primary challenge to um, state representative Joe Tate. Um, he's raised a boatload of money. Um, he, fi- he filed his pre-primary report with $107,000 raised um, for the reporting period. Um, and at least as of uh, early this week, his opponent still had not filed. Um, but she's campaigning pretty robustly. And, uh, you know, um, Representative Tate, um, when he ran uh, uh, two years ago... Um, was in a six-way primary, um, and the vote from the city of Detroit got really chopped up, and he ran up big margins um, in the Gross Point areas of this district. Um, just winning Gross Points by uh, the Gross Points by a big margin is not going to be enough this time. Um, now that he's got you know a single um, hard-working opponent um, out of the city of Detroit, um, he needs to perform better in the city of Detroit. You yeah. also look at um, you, you know, know we, state we... representative Karen Witsit. Yeah, well, what is she going to win? It's got to be quick because we got to get out. You think she will? I think she makes it, yeah. Yeah, listen, uh, we've barely scratched the surface. There's so many of these state house races, but you've done a great job of going over the most important ones. So thank you so much, Adrian Heeman, CEO of Grassroots Midwest. Great. Thanks a lot, Bill. We'll be back in a minute with more. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We are back, and finally, yes, there apparently will be a memorial service for the late Michigan Governor Milliken, Bill Milliken, who died late last year at age 97. It will be on Thursday, August 6th, two days after the election. At 2 p.m. It has been rescheduled and relocated a couple of times, but that's the date and time. Although the venue is different than if it had been held back in June when it was originally scheduled. Now it will be at the Interlochen Academy, southwest of Traverse City, in a huge auditorium which seats more than 4,000 people. That space will be needed because social distancing necessitates keeping people far apart. So the crowd will not be 4,000, but you can bet it will be big. Masks are required and temperatures will be taken at the door. Guests will be admitted as early as noon. The featured speaker is expected to be Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who has claimed that Governor Milliken is one of her political idols. In fact, The governor's father, Dick Whitmer, was a member of Milliken's cabinet in his early days as director of the State Department of Commerce. Ideologically, the two governors actually have quite a bit in common, which is somewhat surprising given the obvious differences between the eras in which they served and their respective partisan affiliations. Milliken, a Republican, and Whitmer, a Democrat. 
but their personalities and styles are markedly different. Milliken was famous as a conciliator, a consensus builder, a compromiser with his Democratic opponents, especially with his odd couple partner, Detroit Mayor Coleman Young. In fact, Milliken felt he had to be that way because Democrats controlled both chambers of the legislature for more than half of Milliken's record 14-year tenure. Milliken never had both chambers under his party's control when he served, as did his successor Republican governors John Engler and Rick Snyder. Milliken holds the Republican record all time for most years served as governor with the opposition in control of the legislature. Whitmer, by comparison, has taken the opposite approach. Her 19 months as governor have been marked by acrimonious confrontations with the Republican-controlled legislature, something Milliken never allowed to happen. Milliken's reputation has only grown in the 38 years since he was governor. Former members of his executive office and cabinet keep the glory days of Milliken's tenure alive by meeting once a month, year-round, in a succession of Lansing downtown eateries, discussing Michigan politics and government and reflecting how times have changed since the 1970s. Most of these old-timers are at least 70 years old, and a number are in their 80s. No matter, they are keeping the flame alive. Now, here are some quotes from William G. Milliken at various times during his governorship. The first was just two months after he became governor in March of 1969. Here's a quote. Government can prevent many of the most obvious crimes, but it cannot prevent the worst crime of all, man's neglect of his neighbors, man's inhumanity to man. The opposite of love is not hate so much as it is indifference, unquote. Here's another one three months later in 1969. Happiness is never a result. It is a byproduct. It comes from something else, from service, from pursuit of a goal larger than yourself, from the pursuit of the difficult, which makes men strong rather than from the pursuit of ease and pleasure, which makes men weak, unquote. Then there is this one, the next year, January of 1970, Milliken's second year as governor, and I quote, the preservation of our environment is the critical issue of the 70s. Unless we move without delay to halt the destruction of our land, our water, and our air, our own children may see the last traces of Earth's beauty crushed beneath the weight of man's waste and ruin, unquote. And that really was one of Milliken's great legacies, his environmentalism. There is a park on the Detroit River in southeast Michigan called the William G. Milliken Park in tribute to the governor's aid and support for environmental reclamation in southeast Michigan and the city of Detroit. Here's another quote from 1972, quote, Divided government carries with it a mandate from the people 
to act with wisdom, to work together, to seek ways to reach honorable compromise. If both parties take this approach, then the public interest will be served. Both parties will gain and the entire state will benefit, unquote. Here's another one from 1974. Quote, let us set aside partisanship and the temptation to gain election year advantage out of our problems, either in their resolution or their perpetuation. No party has a monopoly on the virtues or vices of our time, unquote. Here's another one. This is from 1976, America's bicentennial year. Quote, the battle to preserve our environment is a battle we must not and will not lose. If politics is the art of the possible, then conservation is the science of the necessary, unquote. Here's another one from 1979. He'd been in office now his 11th year. Quote, when I first became governor, I had a vision for Michigan, a vision that our citizens would recognize their interdependence, that they would reach a truce in the debilitating conflicts between North and South, between cities and suburbs, and that once and for all, they would accept the fact that if one part of Michigan suffers, all suffer. Finally, in his last year, 1982, here's a quote. The English have their castles. The Romans and Greeks have their ruins. But when North Americans, be we from United States or Canada, look for the meaning of our past, we do not seek crumbling stone. Rather, we turn to the forests, the hills, and the shorelines. Here in the Great Lakes, we can turn to those same shorelines and find our future, unquote. Here's another one. Quote, the empty quacks are many among us. They're those who have determined that their form of patriotism is the only genuine kind and the only kind that should be tolerated. They are those who color their narrow intolerance in shades of red, white, and blue and diminish the multicolored diversity of freedom. They are the shouters and ranters who give ear to the rebels of 200 years ago but are deaf to dissenters today. Now, here's a quote from two years after he was governor. In Michigan, our soul is not to be found in steel and concrete or sprawling new housing developments or strip malls. Rather, it is found in the soft petals of a trillium, the gentle whisper of a headwater stream, the vista of a Great Lakes shoreline, and the wonder in children's eyes upon seeing their first bald eagle. It is that soul we must preserve, unquote. That was from June 8, 1984. So William G. Milliken, Michigan's longest-serving governor, 
succeeded the office upon the resignation of George Romney in January of 1969, served two years as an appointed governor, and then won three successive four-year terms, smashing the record up to that time of G-Men and Soapy Williams, who had served 12 years in the governorship, six two-year terms back when governors were elected to two-year terms. Memorial service, August 6th, a great tribute to a great governor. I'll be back next week with the result of Tuesday's primary and how we did on our predictions. Don't miss it.